My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Tanya Andrusechko. None of us would evolve politically without opportunities to encounter new critical ideas about the world. Such encounters may not be sufficient for political growth, but I think they're necessary. And even better than merely encountering new ideas is having opportunities to work through them with other people, to discuss, to debate, to mutually self-educate, and to make meaning together in ways much more likely to allow the ideas to seep into our choices and actions. And more than just being about individual growth, such encounter and dialogue are central to how movements happen and grow. Yet for all of that, movements in North America today don't tend to be all that intentional about creating spaces where such encounter and dialogue can happen. Sure, there will be sporadic teach-ins about the issue of the moment, and planning meetings and public events are often informally spaces for such mutual learning, but given its importance, we're not usually all that deliberate about it. Andrew Sitchko's most recent project suggests one way that movements might do just that. She felt the need for a space to have deliberate, serious, sustained conversation about feminist ideas, and she also wanted to find a way to become politically involved in what is still a relatively new-to-her community, Saskatoon. So she decided she would organize a feminist summer camp. The same 20 participants are getting together one night a week for 10 weeks to cover a wide range of feminist topics. They're hearing speakers, they're discussing ideas, they're building skills, and Andrew Sitchko hopes they will all leave the camp better able to intervene in feminist ways in their own everyday lives, and perhaps some will be inspired to new collective feminist activity as well. I spoke with her about her path to this work, about the format of the camp, and about what she hopes it will achieve. I spoke with her by Skype to phone from Saskatoon. My name is Tanya Andrusechko, and I am the founder of the first ever feminist summer camp in Saskatoon. I come from Toronto, and I come from a very culturally rich upbringing in an urban center. I participated in a lot of social justice work as a young person, including with homelessness and campaigns around students for a few Tibets. I have a background in social justice work where the themes have come out around justice and self-determination, but one of the issues that I realized in my youth involvement in social justice work was that my own lived experiences weren't reflected in the work that I was doing. And this is really one of the major moments in my experience where I've really pulled out my lived experience as a woman in Canadian society. And I decided to put together this feminist summer camp as a way to bring together people with diverse lived experiences as feminists to learn from each other and to create safe and encouraging spaces to discuss complex social gender issues and learn from each other and grow as allies and grow as feminists and deepen our practice as feminists. The goal is to learn about these complex intersecting issues affecting women and to bridge expert knowledge with lived experiences and to build skills around framing feminist issues. 
the group is a very strong group. So it's a really incredible experience so far with Feminist Summer Camp. My experience working with social justice work around urban homeless issues and housing issues and then the Tibetan sovereignty movement were really formative in shaping my ideas of what allyship is and can be. The fact of the matter was that I have no experience with homelessness and I've also, I'm not Tibetan. So those are both issues that I care very deeply about and found a sense of very strong empathy for, but they were not my experiences and I couldn't speak from a first-hand account about what that meant. And I had one experience where I was asked actually to step back in my involvement that was a teachable moment for me. I really realized that speaking on behalf of other people was not working and appropriating voice and speaking on behalf of other people when other people have total capacity to speak for themselves. That was a humbling moment because I thought I was there, you know, for the right reasons and coming from a good place. And, and I may have been, but it wasn't coming across in a way that really respected the principles of allyship, of listening more so than speaking on behalf of other people. So I stepped back for a few years to really reevaluate what my role was in the social justice movement. And it was actually many years that I sat back a little bit and observed a lot and I listened a lot. It was a steep learning curve, but a really important learning curve that made me really rethink how I was going to position myself in the work that I do so I can witness that there are injustices and there's oppression everywhere around us, but I need to speak responsibly and I need to speak for myself and learn how to be a strong ally. But coming into the feminism side of this really came out of my own experiences as a woman and especially in the retail and service sector. I worked as a server and I worked in sales for a few years when I was going through school and I may not have realized it at the time but looking back on it those were really formative experiences in that they made me realize that when women are in public spaces, so in shops and in restaurants, that they can be very unsafe and threatening and hostile spaces to a lot of women in the sense that there's a sense of entitlement to comment on women's bodies and women's work and women's positions. And that can be really problematic and that can have a cumulative effect. And, and it did have a cumulative effect on me in that I really internalized my work in these public spaces as service to other people and that it was okay to comment on my appearance and my physicality and my role there. And there was a breaking point with that and that really was a pretty formative moment in my own feminism. And that was one of those moments where I realized that as a woman, I will always be the subject of some kind of commentary and assessment and evaluations. Since coming out of you know, the retail sector, I've really realized that I am surrounded by issues that require feminist action and feminist consciousness. So that's kind of been my transition from speaking irresponsibly on behalf of other people to learning about what it is to be an ally, to coming into my own feminist activism as a woman who can speak about her own lived experiences. This is really a moment in my life now where I am learning to do social activism based on my own experiences and my own observations of the society that we live in and the impact of the culture that we live in on my own life and my own experiences and opportunities. So I was meeting up with a friend on a regular basis 
she was assigned to me as a coach initially. This came out of a national program called Next Step, which is a leadership program for young people who identify with progressive values. Part of that is being paired up with a Next Step alum. And it was just through weekly conversations with this coach that I started realizing that maybe not adding myself to existing boards and groups, which are doing incredible work, but they weren't quite resonating with what I wanted to see, which was a continued conversation with the same people in a learning environment and growing that network. And I thought, I just feel like I would like to just start something. And she said, why not? Why don't you just start this? And it was really that easy. Like it was really just someone saying, so just do it. And the other part of that is I had these disjointed conversations with a number of friends about different feminist issues that were coming up either in the news or sort of these trends that we're seeing in feminism, especially around lean in and neoliberalism and appropriation of feminist goals by neoliberalism. And I was having these conversations with friends around these issues and they'd creep up and then the conversation would not really see the light of day for a few weeks. And so there wasn't that sort of sustained ability to have these deeper conversations. And I realized that there really is a need to have an intentional, deliberate place to really explore these issues where there's no distraction, we're all on the same page, and we're all there to learn and deepen it. So the first step was to create goals. I had goals that were sort of floating around in my brain, and I had to link them to the vision. And so I created a document that had lots of headings and subheadings around what those objectives were, what the goals were, how to get to those goals. So that would mean, for instance, that skill building was a goal because what I didn't want was for this to be 10 venting sessions. I didn't want to just be getting together with people who have experienced marginalization or discrimination and just talk about that, despite the fact that those are important experiences to validate and to talk about. There had to be the camp aspect of this, the actions behind what we were experiencing and and how to turn those experiences into actions. So I put together that document that really outlined what the goals were. So knowledge creation and skill building were really the two big goals. Once I did that, I really just started to talk to people and say, can you be involved in this in some way or another? So I connected with the coordinator of Next Step, Tracy Mitchell in Saskatoon, and asked her about you know, facilitation principles and and how to bring people together. I put together the website, but then I just started asking people who would be a good contact point for this issue or that issue. And I brainstormed a list of feminist topics that could be sessions. From there, I started asking people that I thought have really great insight and analysis into these issues, sent out emails to people and, and had conversations with other people in the community who are very well connected. And that was a big part of this project because I'm not from Saskatoon. I live in Saskatoon and I'm lucky to live in Saskatoon because of the strong sense of community. But I'm relatively new here. I really called on that community and that sense of wanting to work on this together. I had lots of recommendations. I had people who said, you should talk to this person and that person. And people said, I'm happy to write that email for you and make that introduction. Twitter was a major part of this as well. So it all really came together with this underlying sense of community, both in the physical community, there's actually Saskatoon, and and also with the online community. I looked at what other people in other jurisdictions are doing around feminist skill building. 
So there were lots of to-do lists, lots of emails, lots of asking for help. And, and someone told me, in order to do social justice work, you have to ask for an embarrassing amount of help. So ask for help whenever you can for whatever you need. And the amazing thing is that people say yes all the time. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. It amazes me that I can reach out to someone and they're right there 10 minutes later responding to my email and saying, of course, I'd love to help and I'd love to be a part of this in some way, even if, you know, just to recommend to other people that you could talk to. So that's been a pretty uplifting and encouraging experience. And I owe so much of my own organizational success around this to other people agreeing to help and wanting to be a part of this. Tell me about the form of the camp itself. How is it structured? How does it work? So it's 10 weeks, and it takes place on Monday nights from 6 until 9. It started on May 26th, and it runs until July 28th. Each Monday night, we have different speakers come and share their analysis on different issues around gender and feminism. The introduction to the camp was on contemporary feminist issues, so sort of the bigger trends in feminism the history of feminism, like the waves, and problematizing placing major feminist events into waves when, in fact, there's a lot of continuity throughout that timeline and a lot of people who contributed to various moments in different waves. And so, you know, that was the first session, and we talked about things like vocabulary and words that are social justice-oriented or specifically feminist terminology. We did a lot of establishing concepts in that first session. And every Monday from now until the end of the program will be very diverse, like very different issues. So it's about feminism in other progressive spaces. So feminism within environmentalism and what happens when people in the environmental movement experience sexism and experience discrimination or gender blindness. And, you know, we can't assume that if we're all progressive that we all get gender discrimination because there are still gaps there that exist. And so we have someone coming in to talk to us about what to do. So this is a very skills-based session. What to do when a safe space, supposedly, you know, like a progressive space with your people and a sense of community, and then someone makes a comment that is derogatory or offensive or violent. So we'll have that. We have a session on feminist men. And so how feminism has informed the worldview of men who have to reconcile their masculinity with feminism and what those tensions are and what the successes have been and the opportunities. That's going to be a really important session. And then, you know, neoliberalism and queer theory and indigenous feminisms and masculinities and women in politics. Throughout all this, we're going to be learning how the speakers have learned to be assertive feminists themselves. We ask the speakers to share experiences of when their feminism has been challenged and when they face a difficult moment of having to really stand up for feminism as a movement. So throughout all these Monday nights, we'll be learning on multiple levels about what the speakers have been involved with and how they've come into their own feminist identities. There's a lot of opportunity to have group discussions. The session with the guest speaker runs from 6 o'clock until 8.30, and then between 8.30 and 9, the participants have an opportunity to speak amongst themselves. The speaker leaves and for half an hour we talk about anything that's come up. So we do group reflections and we share 
that's the time when that trust is built and the sense of community is built and the participants really get to know each other and get to know their lived experiences and other people's experiences with gender discrimination and gender empowerment as well. We have 20 participants, which is the max that the room can hold. So there were physical limitations on how many people could participate. And there were more applicants than there was room for, which was very exciting for me and spoke to the fact that there is an interest in the community. So of the 20 people who are participating, there are cis women and cis men. There are trans people involved and There are people who identify as queer. There is an immigrant participant from Bangladesh and Indigenous women are participating. So there is quite a lot of diversity in that sense. Mostly women are in it, mostly cis women, and mostly young women, although there wasn't a cap on the age. So it is meant for adults, like, you know, age 20 and up. And so the majority of the people participating are between 23 and 30, but there are older women participating as well, and older men as well. What is it that you hope results from this? Obviously, one thing is you hope that the people who are attending will learn things and have an opportunity to have interesting conversations and that kind of thing. But beyond those kind of individual gains for the participants, do you want action to come out of this? Are you hoping that some sort of group or collective will come out of it? Yeah, um, the potential for networking in this group is incredible. Already I see that the participants support one another in a very profound way and they want to be there for each other. So what I see coming out of this is that people will come away wanting to get more involved. And so whether that's volunteering with existing organizations that support women, I think there will be people who come away wanting to do more on that front. And I think there could be some people involved in forming something like a collective outside of this and taking this in their own direction. I certainly did that with Next Steps. That's what I took out of Next Step and I started this. And so I'm hoping that someone from this project can start something else as well. So the networking is a big part of it. The resource sharing is another major part of this. We have a page on the website where we post articles and videos and podcasts and movies and anything at all that's online that can be posted. We post on this resource page. And that's a very important part of bringing the discussions that we have into the community. The hope is that the participants take these articles and you know, podcasts and videos and everything else and share those with their networks and their communities and their families and any spaces that they occupy that if conversations come up that link back to something that we've been talking about, that there's an opportunity to share these articles and these resources with people who aren't in the camp but could also benefit from the discussions that we're having So that's one big thing. And the other big takeaway is the skills that we're going to be building, the skills around the counter-narrative and constructing narratives that affirm feminist values. We're going to have an intensive session towards the end where we learn how to speak assertively, especially when our values are challenged, which can be a very emotional moment when our own values around equality and respect for gender and diversity are challenged by people who benefit from the status quo and benefit from their privilege. We're going to be learning from somebody who is an expert in 
media messaging and, and therefore like tight messaging and someone else who is a public speaking expert. So they're going to put together their skills to teach us how to respond when someone says, you know, oh, women have it pretty good and you're just angry and you just need some action or whatever it is that really distracts from the issue at heart. And, and we're surrounded by this in our culture, in our society, with people who stand to lose when their own privilege is challenged. And when that happens, there's a lot that people who stand to lose can pull from in terms of the narratives that they use, because that is the society that we live in. Despite all the progressive social work that's happening, I would argue that we're still in patriarchal society where there is oppression and, and there is discrimination. And so how do we, as feminists in this camp, build those counter-narratives so that we know what to anticipate and we know how to respond when someone says, you're really, you're making this mess. There's no, there's no such thing as patriarchy because women can do anything they want. What are you complaining about? You have it good. And when someone says that, what do we say in response? Because sometimes what happens is we don't even know where to start with that because there's so much to say that we just sometimes can shut down or walk away or just make it personal and say, you know, you're an idiot for saying that. And the conversation doesn't go anywhere. So how do we capitalize on those moments and turn them into moments when we can really assert ourselves and say, these are all the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing and that maybe you should rethink that rape joke or maybe you should, you know, really reevaluate your privilege and the benefits that you get in your position in society. But often we don't do that and we just, we don't know how to respond because it can be so overwhelming because it's a threat to our own experiences and because someone questions our experiences and does it in a very threatening way often. So that's going to be, I think, one of the bigger takeaways, how we personally can feel empowered to speak to those situations and to speak truth to those situations and really call on our own collective knowledge of feminist issues to respond. Connected to the idea of speaking and acting from your own experience, the ways in which speaking from our experiences of oppression or exploitation or marginalization is often very different than speaking from and to our experiences of privilege, and that the latter is also important, that sometimes, for example, recognizing whiteness and stepping back and not speaking can be very important, but there are other moments where it is very important to speak, but to do it in a way that is specific to our experience of, say, white privilege or of other kinds of privilege. So tell me a little bit about how you've integrated that very different kind of speaking from experience, both in your own journey, but also in the ways that the camp is operating. It's such an important part of what we do because We've learned as feminists and as people who identify with the progressive movement that there's so much diversity of experience within that and that we can be agents of oppression despite the fact that in other zones we can be working towards positive change. So the camp is mostly made up of white people and they have different identities within that and this is not to erase any of those other identities the race part of the issue is certainly present. And I think that that's a, such an important part of the discussion to talk about how we acknowledge that and how we call our communities to account for that 
discussion that we have on other progressive spaces where we encounter gender blindness and or gender discrimination, I think that's going to be a really important foundation to the rest of the camp to raise awareness and consciousness around the fact that just because we identify as feminists doesn't mean that we have it all figured out. And certainly as feminists, we can be transphobic, we can be homophobic, we can be racist. The way that I tried to structure the sessions of the camp have both spoken to that need to bring in the diversity. So for instance, we have a session on Indigenous feminisms and masculinities to challenge our colonial place as feminists because feminism has a history of excluding women of colour. There's also another opportunity towards the end of the camp to do... uh, The last session is left open for people to suggest their own issues and topics that they're interested in. So we're going to be selecting that last topic based on participant interest as well. The other topics have been chosen by me ahead of the start of the program. So there's room there to talk about privilege. I think that will be a thread that runs throughout it, that we will be consistently challenged on our own assumptions. And whatever biases that we have as a result of our privilege, that'll come out very strongly, I think, in the discussions around these intersections when speakers come in and pull out themes that, you know, this isn't just feminism that's blind to race and ability and body type and age, that people experience these issues at various intersections. So I think that the privilege part of the puzzle is going to be a really important part of it because it'll come out in every single session. What aspect or aspects of the camp are you most excited about? Oh, there's so much to look forward to. I think the session on men who identify as feminists is going to be a really important session. And I think that the masculinity part of the program, and we're going to be talking about masculinity in gender construction, and we'll be talking about it in this session on feminist men, and then later with Indigenous masculinity. I think that really coming to explore how masculinity has been constructed to the detriment of men, and then how that has translated to the oppression of women. I think the session on neoliberalism is going to be one that will bring out debate. And the skills, too, I think, will be really great to do, you know, impromptu speaking and assertiveness training and having practice responding to really difficult challenges to feminism. Such a big part of this, too, is getting to know the participants. I realized on the first day with the orientation that a lot of the participants, most of them I didn't know ahead of time. So there was this beautiful moment at the beginning of the orientation where people were streaming into the room and giving hugs to people who they recognized and saying, hey, it's so good to see you here. I'm glad you're part of this. And I didn't realize you'd be here. And and there's already a sense of feminist community in Saskatoon, but I love that we have an opportunity to really build on that and make it a collective and bring other people together. You have been listening to my interview with Tanya Andrusechko about the feminist summer camp in Saskatoon. To learn more about it, go to feministsummercamp.weebly, that's W-E-E-B-L-Y, dot com. That's feministsummercamp.weebly.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.